Philemon, a book that only has one chapter. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus and Timothy our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphira, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective, for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me, in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent, in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord? So, if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he's wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers, I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. The purposes of God are sometimes completely unknown to us mere humans, and sometimes the Lord uses evil for good. And sometimes he uses what are for us some very tough times, he uses for his purposes and for the advancement of the gospel. And and so when the Apostle Paul was imprisoned, and it happened a number of times, while he's in jail, he wasn't inactive. He was doing God's work. He preached the gospel to the jailers. He preached the gospel to, to his fellow prisoners. He taught and trained anyone who had come to visit him, and he wrote letters. 
And one of those letters that he wrote from prison in, and we think it was Rome, and we studied that letter 12 months ago, it was the letter to the church at Colossae. Uh, we know it as Colossians. And when he wrote that letter, he wrote other letters as well. We're pretty sure that he wrote Ephesians at the same time and, and it was sent at the same time. But he also wrote this letter that we just read, this very short letter, um, the letter to Philemon. And he handed at least those two letters, the, the letters to the letter to the Colossians and the letters, letter to Philemon, and perhaps also the letter to the Ephesians and maybe some others that we don't know about. He handed at least those two letters um, to two men to carry to Colossae. Now, these two men who carried these letters were Tychicus and Onesimus. Um, and Onesimus, he describes there in that letter to the Colossians as our faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. Right? So Onesimus came from Colossae. That was his home. And so we might have a bit of an assumption, oh, he would have had a real spring in his step. He's heading home. Woohoo! Going home. But neither the letter to the Colossians nor the letter to Philemon tell us what Onesimus would have been feeling. I suspect that Onesimus would have been quite apprehensive. And, with, and he had a good reason to be apprehensive about going home. He was a slave. He was what's called there in that letter, a bond servant. And it seems that he'd run away from his master, by the, who, who's, is, who Philemon is. And now Paul was sending him back. Now, I, that'd be a bit awkward. And I don't mind telling you that as I prepared this message today, it was actually quite difficult for me. Um, the biggest difficulty I had was sorting out the opinions and the assumptions of all the preachers I've heard preach on this over the years and all of the commentators that I read in the commentaries, um, sorting out their thoughts and opinions from what the Word of God actually says. And the difficulty there, the second difficulty is probably why there are so many opinions and assumptions in addition to the word, what the Word of God says, because there's lots of unanswered questions. And it's not telling us about the things that we want to be told about. You see, the two main characters in this letter are in the relationship of slave and slave master or slave owner. And they're both Christians. And in our world and in our culture and in our thoughts, that just doesn't compute. I mean, in, in what world could, it, could a Christian possibly think that it was okay to own another person? I mean, we, we just don't get that, do we? The thing is, we, we've had the privilege of having 2,000 years of Christianity. We've had 2,000 years of the gospel being preached into this world. We've had 2,000 years of the kingdom of God breaking into this world, and that has been led by Christians. We've had 2,000 years of the light of Christ shining into a very dark place that the world is. And, and through the transformation of the gospel, uh, sorry, of the disciples of Jesus, the light of Christ, the, the kingdom of God, has influenced our whole society. It has changed 
what our Western civilization considers to be just and unjust when it comes to slavery. So we don't have slaves in our land anymore. We never see slaves. And we might sort of think, oh, slavery is dead and gone in the world. It is not. Uh, be in no doubt, there are plenty of places and plenty of slaves in the world today. We just no longer have slaves because Christianity has had an enormous transforming influence on our society. If you go to some Islamic countries, there are slaves. If you go to India, you will find slaves. If you go to China, there are slaves and in many other nations of the world as well. But we don't have them because of the transformational influence that Christianity has had on our culture. So, when we read this letter to Philemon, most of us, myself included, we look at it and go, oh, it's about slavery. And so what we do then is we look for the, for the message of, about slavery and we look for a message that, that is going to tell us what the social evil slavery is, but then we don't find it. And that's because this passage isn't about slavery. There's two people who are in this relationship of slave and slave master, but the passage itself isn't about slavery. Now, are, are there any slaves here today? Put up your hand if you're a slave. No, uh, Margaret. <laughs> okay, Margaret is the only slave here. Are there any slave masters here today? Well, I'm glad to see there's no slave masters. If there were, I'd be asking you, well, why didn't you bring your slaves to church? You know, you could have ordered them to come to church. It would have been really good. Um, so I'm going to assume that you're not really a slave. <laughs> because, and it's really good that there's no real slaves here today because otherwise this, this passage would be totally irrelevant to us because we have no slaves. It's not about slavery. It's about a topic which is very relevant to us. Paul isn't writing about slavery. He isn't even writing about this particular instance of slavery. He is writing about fellowship and brotherly love and about how the fellowship of the Lord Jesus Christ brings men and women, boys and girls together into this very special bonded relationship of being brothers and sisters in Christ. It's, it's a very deep fellowship. It's a relationship that, that transcends every social class. It transcends our nationality. It transcends every level of financial status. Uh, when Paul wrote to the church in Galatia, Galatians chapter 3, he says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male or female, for you are all one in Christ. Right now, when he said that, he wasn't saying there's no differences between us. Yes, of course there's differences. And that's obvious that there's differences. But what he's saying is there is no barrier. There is nothing which divides us. We come together. It doesn't matter what nationality you are. It doesn't matter whether you're a slave or a slave owner doesn't matter whether you're a man or whether you're a woman. We come together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And we have that deep level of fellowship that cuts across everything that would normally divide. 
Um, as we've noticed, we're, we're already in the lead up to Christmas. Uh, does anyone know how many shopping days it is till Christmas? No, they used to tell us that on the TV all the time. It's a bit hard to tell now because just about every day is a shopping day for some folk. But we're in the lead up to Christmas. And one of the songs that we're going to be singing this Tuesday night at the Combined Church's Carols on the Blonde. By the way, who's going to the carols Tuesday night? I hope all of you are going to be able to make it. This is, this is the best. This is really the only Combined Church's event that we have in this town every year. And it's a place where the gospel is preached. It's a place where we are singing out about the true reason for Christ Christmas. We, it is an unashamedly... Christian event. Anyway, at the carols, we're going to be singing a song called Oh Holy Night. And in the second verse of that song, it says, Truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break for the slave is our brother. And in his name, all oppressions shall cease. The lesson for today is about fellowship and the love that we should have for our brother in Christ. So, Philemon, that's the bloke that this letter's been written to. What do we know about Philemon? Well, we actually don't know that much. We assume that he must have been pretty wealthy because he owned a slave and, and they weren't cheap. Um, in the region around Colossae at the time, more than a quarter of the population were slaves. Can you imagine that? If in town here, more than a quarter of the population were slaves. And of course, it was only the wealthy who could afford them. And so Philemon must have been pretty wealthy. But Philemon had become a Christian. And he wasn't just a sideline Christian, he was an active Christian. Paul refers to him as our beloved fellow worker. And, and he talks about the joy that Paul has gotten about hearing how Philemon has been a man who has been um, encouraging and loving his brothers and sisters in Christ and how other Christians' hearts have been refreshed by what Philemon has done for them. Right? He's been right into this fellowship thing. He's been loving him and sharing what he has with them. But what about Onesimus? Well, poor old Onesimus, he was a slave. We don't know why he was a slave. In the Roman Empire, um, some were born into slavery. Some had become prisoners of war and therefore became slaves. Some had been captured by pirates or slavers from other lands and then imported into the country to, to be sold. A large number had, had become bankrupt and they couldn't afford to pay their debts. And so they had to sell themselves into slavery to pay off what was owed. But not every slave remained a slave forever. Uh, some slaves even though they're slaves, also had the opportunity to, to earn some money for themselves. And they'd save up in the hope that maybe, maybe one day I might be able to buy my freedom. Others earned their freedom by doing some good deed and they were rewarded by, give, by being given their freedom. By the way, the, the, the name Onesimus 
has a meaning. We, we all have meanings to our names, don't we? Margaret, what's, what's Margaret mean? Pearl. I don't mind telling you that Michael means angelic. Very well chosen name by my parents. Um, now, we think about the meanings of names when we name our children. And Onesimus' name means useful. Now, I, I wonder how many parents would, when the baby's born, go, oh, I will call you useful. I don't think too many. Um, and I think we need to remember that, that slaves were possessions. Slaves were bought and sold and marketed. And some people would, would have used to have said that they're like livestock. I actually don't think that's a good analogy. I think people in the bush would understand it much better if we understood it that there was, you could probably compare them to having a good working dog. You pay good money for a good working dog, do you not? And you look after your good working dog. And if it needs the vet, you'll actually fork out some fees. Why? Because it's useful to you. Or a good horse, you might pay good money for that. These, these were people who, who were your workers, as your working dog or your good horse is for you. So why would have been, he been called useful? Well, I think it probably would have been all to do with marketing. So if you go to a shop today, you might be after a new set of Allen keys. And you go to the, the shelf that's got all the different Allen keys hanging on it, and you might see some that are called Unbreako. Oh, well, they've got to be strong. Or they could be Elbendo. That's why they don't break, they bend instead. Or you might be buying detergent, and, and you might have a tough time choosing between Cold Power or Radiant or Sard Wonder White, Wonder Power, or Dynamo. What's going to be the most powerful detergent? Um, or you might need a new planter, and so you go to John Deere and buy a Maxi Merge, something that's going to get all of the plants up. If you were a slave trader, and you were marketing slaves, what sort of name would you give your slave? Useful. And you'd sort of go, oh, okay, this one's obviously a good one. I'll buy useful here. Um, and in this letter, Paul actually makes a play on words. I don't know if you noticed there, um, there's a part where, where he says to Philemon, he used to be useless to you, but now he's useful to you and to me because now he's our brother. Anyway, Onesimus ran away from his slave master, Philemon. Now, it is possible that Philemon might have sent him on a mission to go and catch up with Paul and take some things to him, but then he overstayed how long he was supposed to be there and, and dragged his feet coming back. Maybe. But I think the way the letter reads, it sounds much more likely that he's actually run away without permission. Now, that's a very dangerous thing for a slave to do. A runaway slave once caught, at their owner's discretion really, they could be whipped, they could even be executed, could even be crucified. And they could be, and I think it was quite common for them to be branded on the forehead with a red hot iron with the letters F-U-G, which was Latin for fugitivus. Um, so basically it brands them as being a fugitive. And that way, 
if if you if somebody turned up in your town and a bloke you've never seen before and he's got FUG stamped across his forehead in a big brand, you could probably go, he's probably run away again. I might turn him into the authorities and get the reward for his return. So I suspect Onesimus would have been a little bit apprehensive returning home to Colossae because Philemon legally had the right to whip him, to brand him, to execute him for running away. But return he did. And we know that he's returning as a Christian, but what we do not know is when he became a Christian. Was he a Christian before he left? Was he a Christian before he ran away? Or did he become a Christian in Rome? Now, most commentaries I read all say that he became a Christian when he was visiting Paul in prison. Um, But it doesn't actually say that. What it says, Paul says, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Right? So they say, all right, he became his spiritual father at that point because he must have run into Paul at the jail and that's when he became a Christian. But it, it could just as easily be describing the way that their relationship deepened um, when Onesimus would come to visit Paul in the prison as he taught him more about the gospel. And, and trained him in ministry and mission. And I, I've heard some preachers saying, oh, it, it was an amazing miracle of God that he just happened to stumble upon Paul in this, in this far-off place um, where Paul was in prison. Maybe. I think it's much more likely that he already knew Paul, probably already knew Paul through Philemon and would have met Paul in Colossae, and then he would have gone to seek Paul out, either because he was verging on becoming a Christian and wanted to know more, or whether he had become a Christian and wanted to know more. But once again, we do not know. This is the thing. So much in this letter we want to know, but we're not told. What we do know, and the, and this, and the reason we know it is because this is what the letter is talking about, is the power of the fellowship that we have in Christ Jesus. For a start, Jesus taught us the importance of visiting our brothers and sisters in Christ when they're in jail. Now, you mightn't have too many Christian friends who are in jail, but in many countries in the world, that's a common occurrence where it's illegal to be a Christian and Christians are put in jail because they are Christians. And Jesus taught us the importance of visiting our brothers and sisters in Christ when they're incarcerated. In Matthew, he talked about the final judgment and what that's going to be like. And he gave an image of the way that the people will be separated, like a a shepherd will draft sheep and goats and separate them. And then he says to, to those who are rewarded, he says, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothes to wear. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then these people wanted to know, well, well, when did we ever do that? We never saw you in those circumstances, Lord. And the Lord will say, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. 
And Paul really appreciated the ministry and the support and the company of those who visited him in jail. They would have brought him food, they would have brought him clothes, they would have brought him the scriptures, but probably the most important thing to him was their presence. They were there and, and they could worship with him and they could pray together with him. And Paul greatly appreciated the way that Onesimus would come and spend time with him in the jail. But the thing is, when you become a Christian, there's always a pointy end to our faith. There's always something costly and deeply costly that we each have to do in our lives. See, we give all that we have for Christ and we commit all that we are for Christ. And when we put our faith, what we believe into action, often that's going to require some very costly and very dramatic alterations to our lives. There will be sacrifices. There will be trials. And we're going to have to step out in obedience. Now, Paul would have been teaching Onesimus, Philemon isn't only your master. In Christ... Philemon is your brother. And here's a brother you have wronged by running away. Now that would have been a hard thing. How do I know that Paul would have said that to him? Remember there's two letters we're talking about here? He's carrying this small letter to Philemon, but he's also carrying a second letter, a bigger letter to the church in Colossae. And that letter teaches us that whatever we do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then he talks about how we relate to one another. It puts legs on it for us. He he talks about how husbands and wives relate to one another. He talks about fathers and children. And he even talks about slaves and slave masters. In Colossians chapter 3, and remember, this is a letter that Onesimus is carrying back to his church to be read in Colossae, in the church where Onesimus fled from, in the church where Philemon still is. It says, bond servants, that means slaves, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. Not by way of eye service as people pleases, in other words, don't just, don't just do it while they're, while they're watching you. But do it with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer, will be paid back for the wrong that he has done. And there is no partiality. You getting this? Like, he's saying you have to do the right thing. And there's no partiality. The wrongdoer will be paid back for what he's done. There's no partiality. There's no excuse because you're a slave that, oh, I don't have to do this. But then he has a word to the masters. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly knowing that you also have a master in heaven. What an amazing teaching. 
Do you happen to be a slave? Well, serve as well as you can, knowing that, that the good service that you're providing is for, your Lord, for the Lord Jesus. Now, the word Lord keeps coming up here when it's referring to Christ. Um, and there's a reason for that. Lord is basically master. The slave would have used to have been having to call their master Lord. But now in the scriptures, as Christians, Christ is Lord. He is our master. Do you happen to be a slave master? Well, treat your slaves justly and fairly because you have a master in heaven. It's an amazing teaching. And this is in the letter that Onesimus is carrying as he returns to face his master and to face possible consequences. So as I said before, the letter to Philemon is not about slaves and slave masters. There's teaching about that in Colossians, but not in Philemon. In Philemon, the teaching is about fellowship and the lengths that we go for fellowship. So Philemon, he has a reputation as someone who's filled with love and faith toward all the saints. And verse 6, I think more than any other verse, helps us to understand what Paul is asking of Philemon. He says, and I pray that the sharing, and, and the Greek word there for sharing is koinonia. And some of you will have heard that word koinonia before. What does it mean, koinonia? Fellowship. It means fellowship. I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. Now, if that word means fellowship, why was it translated as sharing? Well, because it means that too. Because that's what fellowship is. Fellowship isn't about just having an acquaintance. It's not just about having a, a friend. Fellowship is about sharing. It's about sharing our life with one another. It's about sharing our possessions with one another. It's about sharing our ups and downs. And, and it's sort of actually about sharing even the emotions. It's such that we will weep with those who are weeping and we will laugh with those who laugh. That's what fellowship is. It's such a deep relationship that we share our very selves with one another. And Paul says to Philemon, look, I could put rank on you here and I could order you to do what's required, but I'd rather you do it out of love. Onesimus was so useful to Paul and it just broke Paul's heart to have to send, Phile to have to send Onesimus back to Philemon. And he says, I, I could have kept him and he could be serving me on your behalf, but I'd rather you make the decision so that the goodness that that would be would be by your own choice. For Philemon, this was going to be an opportunity for him to have Onesimus back as a brother in Christ. When it comes to earthly relationships, slave and slave master would have to be the greatest divide on the social strata, wouldn't it? Can you think of anything that would divide more than that? How could someone who owns another person, how could those two, two people become brothers? How? I'll tell you how. In Christ. 
That, my friends, is the fellowship that we enjoy when we are in Christ. Paul says, so if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. Now, how was that? Later on in the letter, he actually says, oh, by the way, I'm hoping that God's going to answer my prayers and I'm going to get out of jail, so make up the bed for me, will you? Um, I'm going to turn up and I'm going to need a bed to sleep in. So basically what he's saying is, how about you get a bed prepared for Onesimus? Now, that would be a strange thing for a slave master to do what he would normally order Onesimus to do. Onesimus is as much a brother to Philemon as what Paul is. And, and he says, if he's wronged you, or if he owes you anything, send the bill to me and I'll pay it. Now, most commentaries I read at this point make the assumption, oh, Onesimus must have stolen stuff as he left. That's what must have happened. He might have taken great granny's silverware out of the um, cupboard and sold it off to fund his trip to Rome or something. But the Bible doesn't tell us that. And I think that's, what could he possibly owe him? And, and I think this is part of our, we, we have no idea what this relationship is really about. See, at one time, Onesimus was an investment for Philemon. He paid good money to have him. And what he was buying was his service and his work. And, and yet he'd been absent for months or years, and that equated to work that Philemon had paid for and had never gotten. That is what Onesimus owed to Philemon. But Paul's saying, if you care about that, charge it to my account, send me the bill. Now, we know that Paul probably didn't have the money to pay for that. Here he was living in prison. He wasn't somebody out making money. He was preaching the gospel free at charge. Um, but what he's really saying is, you owe yourself to me anyway. Right? You owe me because I've preached the gospel to you. You've been set free from your sin. You are now a new creation in Christ. If Onesimus owes you, you owe me, surely. So what happened? Did, did Philemon take notice of this letter and, and, um, and receive Onesimus as his brother? Was, did they give a good old hug and, wow, we're brothers now in Christ? Or did he give him the chop? That's another frustrating thing about this letter. We don't know. And there's no sequel to tell us. But I, I, I suspect that um, he did take notice of this letter. And what I base that on is that we still have the letter. I mean, if the Apostle Paul had sent you a letter telling you to do something and you didn't do it, I'm pretty sure you'd probably tear it in half and throw it into the fire. But no, this is something that's been cherished. and has been passed down through the generations. We've got it 2,000 years later. Fellowship. How much do you value fellowship? I love it. I love having you guys as my brothers and sisters in Christ. I love it that we can share life together, that, that, that we can share the ups and downs, that we can love each other and care for one another and not have to tread too carefully in case we tread on each other's toes. We can be blunt with one another at times. This is what fellowship is about. I love it. 
But when it comes to fellowship and brotherly love within the church, sometimes we do struggle with it. Sometimes those who are up higher up the social ladder don't enjoy mixing with the plebs. But I suspect that it would be harder for Onesimus to see Philemon as his brother than for Philemon to treat Onesimus as his brother. And I suspect that there, there would be people in this town who don't feel that they're good enough to set foot in a church and who don't feel they're good enough to set foot in this church because they think I'm not of the same social standing as the people of that church. It broke my heart um, when I have sometimes been to funerals of prominent Indigenous folk in our town. And what breaks my heart is most of the Indigenous people who are the closest to them stay on the outside of the church. And I suspect that's because they don't feel that they belong in that church or that they're not worthy or that other people are more worthy. They go into the church before me. Um, it just makes me really sad to see that. Um, and there's nothing we can do about that. But we can love our brothers and sisters in Christ with everything that we have. The gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ is the gospel that attracted people from across the, across the range, the tax collectors and the prostitutes, the sick and the broken, the beggar and the blind man, the slave and the foreigner. It wasn't so much the rich and the powerful, although they were there too, and they fellowshiped together as one. The gospel is, it's a great leveler. And that's what I love about the gospel. It levels us. Not one of us deserved to be saved. Not one of us are in the position where our, our privileged status would save us. Not one of us are in the position where our money, we could buy our salvation. It was entirely by the grace of God. And you know that. Entirely by the grace of God. And every disciple of Jesus has one Lord, one Master, and one Lord only, our Lord Jesus Christ. And together, we are slaves of our Lord Christ together. Whether we're rich or whether we're poor, whether we went to a boarding school or whether we went to the local state school, whether we're workers, white-collar workers or blue-collar workers or Workers who don't even have a collar. We're all slaves of the one Lord Jesus, serving him first. Have you, have you noticed that sometimes wealth becomes a hindrance to us being a slave of Christ? Some accumulate so many things or the business grows so much that they become consumed by it and they no longer have the time to fellowship. They no longer have the time to, to share or to serve Christ. They no longer have time to, to share and serve with their brothers and sisters in Christ. And their fellowship starts to strangle 
They've become into a different world. Some are too busy enjoying what their wealth affords them and they find themselves tripping off everywhere and they don't have time to fellowship with their friends, with their brothers and sisters in Christ. And they don't have time to serve like they once do because they're too busy enjoying life. In Christ, we are all children of God. What a marvellous, privileged position that is. But we must never treat others with contempt, not at all. We all become slaves and we all serve one another in Christ. We worship together as brothers and sisters in Christ, no matter where, no matter where somebody else comes from. I was trying to work out how to finish this message off. And the image came to my mind of the way Jesus washed his disciples' feet. The master became the servant. And we serve because our Lord served. That's fellowship. And so my prayer is that we would serve one another and that we would love one another. And that we would experience this level of fellowship deeper and deeper and deeper as we grow together in the Lord. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that we are no longer slaves to sin. In your mercy, you've set us free. And now it is our joy to serve you and to serve one another. Lord, forgive us for any time that we have stifled fellowship. What a blessing it is. What, what a joy it is to fellowship together with one another. And Lord, we pray for our church that you would deepen our fellowship and, and give us a deeper connection, a deep fellowship with all who go by your name. Lord, help us to grow in love and service toward one another. In Jesus' name, amen.